So uh, this is Hannah Sheree Smith from the British Blacklist, and today I'm joined by Jodie Turner-Smith, star of upcoming three-part Channel 5 miniseries, Anne Boleyn. So firstly, uh, how are you? What's the last year been like? <laughs> <laughs> it has been a mad one. I mean, I have a one-year-old now. There's a global pandemic. Derek Chauvin is going to prison for life. As deserved, all my days. As deserved. But, you know, obviously what came before that and the way that that has affected the world and what we've seen happen over the last year, I mean, it's just been very intense, intense year. And meanwhile, I've been fortunate to have been working. So, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the year. Let's talk more about that work then. Anne Boleyn, I remember when this got announced and I was so excited but I mean, f- from your perspective, what was it like when, well, when you were first approached to play the role of Anne Boleyn? I mean, I was excited straight away before I even read the story. I thought it was exciting. And that was just my instinct. Then I read the story and I was blown away by Eve Spitz. So what did you know about Anne Boleyn before this? Because I mean, I feel like the Tudors is a massive thing in like the education system, but also just... I don't know, like we hear about Henry VIII all the time. Yeah, but I feel like you hear more about Henry and his wives are kind of like accessories for him, Mm -hmm. you know, and indications of of exactly how bold and brazen and there he was, you know. (laughs) But I think that there was much I learned about her inside of this that I did not know yet, especially that there's never really been anything that has been told about her story that is from her own words. Yeah. There are no diary entries or letters from her to Henry or anything like that that people are referencing. She's endlessly fascinating because she didn't leave a record. Only in deeds, only in what was told about her, only in the infamy of her legend. That's it. How did you build a character then if there wasn't so much of her voice actually available for you? Yeah, that's what made it really quite fascinating. I mean, obviously, countless historians have studied this woman. Mm-hmm. And that should be deduced based on Henry's letters to her, based on her upbringing and education, other correspondences from other people to her. But we worked closely with a historian, Dan Jones, on this project. And Dan and I kind of created a Bible, more about just like the biography stuff, you know. You know, where did she, where was she educated? How many years did she spend? in the French court, what was that upbringing about? What was it like? And then taking that, then deducing how this woman could be who she was based on what we see of her life. I also referenced often The Life and Death of Anne Boleyn by Eric Ives, because I think it's very fascinating. It's, it's a biographer who's obviously lovingly fascinated with this woman. So it was a really interesting also thing to reference. and. From there, it was really about infusing this very particular story with the energy that I felt like honored the person that I was seeing in between the lines of that Bible that were made with Dan and that book that I read and all the other things that I had found out in all of my research. How much of yourself I mean, or how many similarities, I guess, do you see between yourself and Anne? Because I know, as you said, that you have also just recently become a mother. And when we meet Anne, she's just had Elizabeth and then she's pregnant with another child. Yeah, she's 
nearly about six months pregnant. I mean, one of the first things that resonated with me about the story was it felt like it was about motherhood and about a mother and the choices that this woman made as a mother and also the, all the mothers around her. And so much of my experience of her was certainly colored by the fact that I had just recently been a mother, that I had just recently been pregnant, that I had just recently gone through labor and delivery, that I now understood those things that you understand once you become a mother, things that make you apologize to your own mother, tell her how much you love her, because you get things now that you didn't get before. And it just made me even more eager to tell her story. So is this the first period drama that you've done? Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, how did, I mean, was that something that you wanted to do when you were training as an actor to be a per- do a period drama? Because I know, for example, from my perspective, I loved reading the books, the Jane Austen uh, novels growing up. Same. And I would read them and be like, because I was acting a bit while I was younger and I was like, oh, I can never do, like I can never act in one of these because whenever I watched a film of it, there was never anyone that was not very, very white. So, I mean, that's why I was so excited when I saw you were cast. But, like, what what has your relationship been with period dramas, firstly? Certainly. And it's so funny you bring that up. I can't believe I didn't think about that this whole day. I've been doing press. But, yeah, I because I love Jane Austen novels. And, and also, I mean, Jane Eyre was my favourite novel as a girl. And so just this idea of, like, seeing myself in a period drama, I think my young self, my... 12, 13, 14-year-old self. It's like you're reading all those books. You envision yourself as the protagonist, especially in a novel when you're not, you know, you're not thinking about skin color when you read a novel. Because you read a novel and it's written in the first person of a character and you envision yourself as though you're in that character's head, thus you are that character. And then when it's put on the screen, you see like, oh, wait a minute, there's actually no space for me in a story like this. But you have spent your entire childhood imagining yourself in a story like that. So while I never, because I didn't have any formal training as an actor, I did theatre when I was a child. And that definitely was my first experience of wanting to participate in that way in something that would be thought of as a period drama. But once I became an adult, you kind of put those thoughts away because you're like, well, this is not inside the realm of possibility. And I think that is the first thing that sort of made me so thrilled and excited that I was being offered the job. Because finally, somebody was offering me something that I'd seen myself in, in my imagination as a girl. And obviously, what's different is that this is a historical drama. So this was probably playing someone who once lived. But it's the same thing, you know, as seeing yourself as the protagonist in a Jane Austen novel or as a protagonist in a Shakespearean play. It's like, I have seen these things for myself in my head, in my mind, in my imagination. I'm excited that someone else finally saw it as well. So it's been called Identity Conscious Casting for this production, which is defined as making space for and embracing how actors and artists can bring their whole identities or even parts of their identities to a character. And before we've had terms like colorblind casting, but I kind of like identity conscious casting here because I think it does really point to what is going on with Amberlynn. Because when you watch it, it's about highlighting the identification with Anne as a personality 
I guess. And I know that this time, definitely when I was watching some of the scenes, I was so angry at Henry in a way that I haven't experienced before. I was like, how are you treating her like this? This is not right. Yeah, and it's really fucking outrageous, isn't it? When you when you look at it. And that's really the point is that the hope is that in the identity conscious casting and with what these actors bring, there is that element of bringing the, you know, their selves and their experience to it that is different than anything we've seen. But then there's also this idea that it is more broadly approachable and accepted by a contemporary audience because you can see yourself in a way that you never, that veil of unapproachability is not there anymore. And I think that we'll find that the more we do this, the more we're going to see that audiences of all colors are going to be able to relate to this. Because when you're doing this, the point is to distill it down to the feelings and emotions of a human experience, not a white person's experience, not a black person's experience, but a human experience. And when we do that, we'll see that the story relates for all of us because we're human beings and we understand love and grief and jealousy and loss and heartbreak. I mean, these are things that we all know together collectively as a world community. So, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I feel like it's completely achieved that. And I hope that when audiences see that, they get that as well. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask you about the beautiful costumes and the hair and the makeup, because obviously that's another benefit of doing a period drama. And I mean, did you have a favourite um costume out of any of them oh everyone asked that and I just <laughs> like, every time I would put on a different gown I'd be like okay this one's my favorite <laughs> so every time it would change I mean I think the blue was so gorgeous that color was just so incredible but then I also loved the green I was gonna say the green yeah there's something iconic about the green I think is that a billion thing or is that just me projecting I don't know if that's an acting thing. I had a lot of fun in the costumes and with the hair and creating Anne's look. You know, it was really important for me that she had Afro texture hair. You know, I wanted her hair to be kinky. So how much did you ever say in the hair then? It was a dialogue between myself and Julie, who was, you know, the department head and, and Jodie, who was my personal. I mean, we really all worked together in that and and the filmmakers really trusted me the producers and Lindsay really trusted me to to give my input on that and 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 to really speak to that because obviously nobody there was an expert on black hair because none of them were black mm-hmm. but I'm black and thus I'm an expert on my black hair mm-hmm. and so it's great when producers are willing to be in a dialogue with you that says we understand that you're bringing your identity and your experience to this that's unique to ours and that can offer something that we perhaps have not yet seen you know Mm -hmm. julie was so great you know it's interesting because so many of the thoughts and feelings and ideas that i had you know she had made this whole mood board and a lot of them were on there you know, we really found something together and I thought it was really, really magical. The series is kind of structured as this countdown to Anne Boleyn's inevitable beheading, which is kind of how we know her in history as well. Did you feel that sense of doom while portraying her or was there like a constant kind of feeling of Anne fighting against this inevitable future that we know? 
Yeah, it was definitely more of a constant feeling, especially because we started at the end. We started with her being in the tower awaiting her death. So there was something about that that sort of contributed to sort of just feeling like you were just living with it the whole time. Now, when you read the scripts or when you watch the show, it's definitely more of like every time I read the scripts over and over, I read them. And every time it was that sense of doom as I was getting to the end of episode two would just be like, oh, and please don't say that. <laughs> you oh. know, it felt so much like I wish that it had gone different. And that's really fun when you're playing a role and you know how it's meant to end because this is historical. But it felt so much like a unique little story that was our own that it was just like anything could have been possible for her. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you.